so let's see what YouTube has to say about sleep apnea. Now, did you get a good night's rest last night? Maybe not. Sleep is a really serious issue, and 300,000 people in the UK are affected by sleep apnea and not getting enough of it. It's a condition that causes irregular breathing, and it means that sufferers wake up continuously throughout the but night. now, help. Good morning you. to you, Robin. You know, we're talking about sleep apnea, something you typically associate with adults, but children suffer from sleep apnea, yet many times they're misdiagnosed. What? What? Oh, forget that. Uh, let's check the recommended. Oh, <laughs> videos of cats falling over. Let's go. Alright guys, so my name is Isawari and I want to welcome you to the first episode of Fears and Desires. So the best way for me to describe this podcast, and if you want to describe it to anyone that you're talking to, I'm going to be getting those taboos, okay, those things that society put on people and we're going to be deciding what we throw back okay and it's really important because when we talk about certain things or we think about certain things we do have our own thoughts but i think it's important for us to know whether they're valid or not and the way that we know if they're valid or not is by speaking to people that are going through that thing themselves okay so today we're actually going to be discussing sleep okay and up until a few years ago I didn't know much about sleeping conditions because I've always slept like a baby. I've never had problems. But after having been married a few years, you know, you kind of put on a bit of weight. And you don't always have a great sleep when you're a parent and when you're working and you're working harder. You're spending more of the day doing stuff. And what do you do? A lot of people, they sacrifice the sleep that they have or they have unhealthy sleep. So... What actually started happening with me was it basically that sleeping problem kind of contaminated other parts of my life. So I'm talking about my marriage, I'm talking about work, I'm talking about all these different places, but you're going to hear about that in this episode. Now, we've got some really cool guests for today. I'm really excited with the guests that I, I have spoken to already and the talks that we had we had some really great talks okay I spoke to Matt from Nooks and Crannies podcast hey everyone this is Matt Sanderson co-host of Nooks and Crannies I spoke with Drew from the Sleep With Me podcast hi this is Scooter from Sleep With Me podcast I spoke with Dr. David McIntosh who's an air nose and throat surgeon hi 
This is Dr. David McIntosh, ENT surgeon in Queensland, Australia, and author of the book Snore to Death. And I spoke to Shamika, my lovely wife. Hi, I'm Shamika, partner of ISSA. Let's get on with this episode. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of myths to dispel. And, you know, I learned a lot and hopefully you guys will too. So what's the first thing that you think of when someone says that they have a sleeping condition? first thing that comes into my mind when you talk about sleep disorder is someone who potentially is sleeping spiritually, like a zombie, for example. Someone who is blinded uh, and is stagnant, not moving to their purpose. That to me is sleeping disorder. So when I think of sleeping disorder, I think of someone that doesn't have a regular sleeping pattern, whether they need more sleep during the day than usual or they just can't sleep at night. And that could be down to a number of things, um, including the diet, the company they keep, um, stresses are from work, stresses from family. Um, when I hear the word sleeping disorder, it makes me think of somebody who can't sleep. Um, who's unable to sleep at night. And when I think of how that person would be, I think of somebody that would be moody, grumpy, probably stressed out, look tired, look down, and just an unhappy person. Because when I think about sleep, I need sleep. And that's how I would be. So, yeah. I know that somebody that has a sleep disorder tends to, they call it insomnia, isn't it? Because they can't sleep or whatever and that. But, um... Yeah, uh, the type of person that could have that could kind of be anyone. I think it would depend on what they're currently doing in their life or if the levels of stress is quite high and maybe even there's a bereavement or someone lost a job, you know, break up, whatever it may be. But it's definitely someone under a lot of pressure and stress causing them not to sleep. Possibly take sleeping pills and so on and so forth to try and get to sleep. They could be anybody. They could be hippie-ish. No, they probably smoke weed, but... (laughs) They could, you know what, they're probably... I don't know, like, they could look like anybody. You get me? See, I don't know someone that's got insomnia. She's normal, fam. (laughs) So, what better way to put you in my shoes than to tell you a story about when I started to realise that I was having issues with my sleep. What actually happened this night was I'd had a long day, okay, and I'd come home. And obviously, just because you've had a long day at work, it doesn't mean that when you come home that there's not work to do. There is work to do. And everyone in the house, especially when you have a big family, everyone's got to pull their weight, yeah? So I'm at home getting stuff done. We get the kids to bed. Me and Shamika finally have some time to spend with each other. And after a bit of time, we finally go to sleep. Now, this is great. This is the part of the day that lots of parents will definitely attest to, which is getting some good sleep. Now, this night, me and Shamika, we cuddle up, we go to sleep. But 
in the middle of the night she wakes me up and she's just I've just woken up I don't know how it's happened okay and she's saying to me turn over turn over so I turn over and I face the other way and I go back to sleep and then after not too long I've been woken up again and obviously Shamika's a bit more angry because by the looks of it she hasn't been able to get any sleep and I'm just thinking what what's the problem I've turned over the other way I'm going to sleep I pull the covers up and I go to sleep now I haven't actually listened to anything that Shamika said then the last time Shamika wakes me up I can't quite hear what she's saying but she's basically telling me look just go just leave the bed and go to the front room okay go on the sofa and go to sleep I can't take this anymore it's too much and you need to go and come on that's a bit unfair why should I go and sleep on the sofa just because you can't sleep so anyway I get up take my pillow and I go to the sofa to go and lie down and then I finally get a good sleep without anyone bothering me but I do remember thinking boy this is something that we're going to have to talk about tomorrow and I'm not going to be able to escape it we're going to have to have this talk because something obviously happened the day where I properly found out about my sleep apnea it was a very interesting day and uh, let me just give you my version in my head of how the day went yes hi yeah hi sir come yeah, in hi. please yeah. please come, come in yeah yeah take a seat take a seat oh yeah. thank you take Thanks. a seat thank you <laughs> thank um, you yeah so Whew. you know why you're here right oh uh, yeah you know yeah 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 okay good um Basically, we've yeah. you know, we've conducted our overnight sleep tests, and yeah, yeah, okay. You actually do have a form of obstructive sleep apnea. What? Uh, I thought it was just snoring. Okay, so I want to take some medication or some, you know, some liquids or something like that. Okay. Well, um, the effects are, you know, high blood pressure. What? Heart disease, strokes. What? You know, pre-diabetes and diabetes. Uh, diabetes? Depression, you know, depression? Depression? No. Will happen if it's left untreated. What are you talking about? Plus, you need to inform the DVLA, you know, the, drive, the driver and vehicle licensing the... agency. What? Uh, and if you don't, your driving license will actually be revoked. Um, That's my now, job. let me see. I the, see that your job involves driving. Yes, so I just said, yeah. if you don't report your condition, then you won't be able to work in a job again. Um, what? Um, we've got this contraption that you have to wear while you sleep. What um, is that? Every night. So just take what this. What is that? What? Um, yeah, we'll be monitoring, you know, your Monitor. use of it as well. Uh, You're going to... It's actually, we use the, the mobile network to <gasps> monitor and make sure it's being used. 
What, what do you mean? I'm going to be monitored. I don't know. What? I, I, I can't even under... Oh, oh, no, listen. Don't worry. Oh, Make sure God. Uh, um, you'll be fine, okay? We uh, have specialists I, I, I need to, to go. help you. Uh, and we like to make I, sure there'll be... Uh, I need to... to, to oh, oh, my God. Yes, uh, sir? I, I need to go. Alright guys, so, you know, a lot of what I'm really trying to do with battling this sleep apnea um, is I'm trying to use the machine in a way that basically doesn't destroy my sex life, okay? And what's really interesting is when me and Matt spoke, you know, it came up because sleep issues do affect your sex life they affect your relationship in a massive way yeah um now okay. now when it comes to sleep <laughs> this is one thing I, I can empathize with that cpap machine bro um yeah. um i have to wear a mouth guard um and it's the same sort of thing like um i think it's the mindy project this is tv show it's amazing very funny you and your wife would love it uh, the mindy project but um she comes out in one scene and she has her mouth guard in and her boyfriend's like oh i guess we're not having sex tonight uh, your mouth guard is in. exactly <laughs> so exactly. it's like as soon as i put my mouth guard in or you slide that cpap machine over like darth vader <laughs> you're just like well <laughs> looks like uh, looks like the love making's off tonight <laughs> yeah See that's, you tomorrow that's the that's that's the kind of uh some of the 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 problems i never realized that that's how my wife saw it so we would be up in the day <laughs> kids go to bed we're chilling out watching netflix whatever and then we go to bed and i put the mask on and it's like okay, well, you're just going to go to sleep and we're not going to cuddle, we're not going to talk anymore because when that machine's on, that's it, you're out. And it took me a while to understand where my wife's coming from. But when I did, I ha we had to change our whole routine. Now, in you know the rest of the conversation that I had with Matt who is a great guy. I'm so happy to have met him. Me and him speak every now and then. And he's just a great person. And he has a sleeping condition, okay? And we discuss a lot of the issues that we both faced in learning about it, dealing with it. You know, he's married, he's a dad. So having a talk with Matt, it really helped me to put a lot of stuff in perspective. Okay, so I was always under the assumption that insomnia was for people who had trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. Um, my form of insomnia is actually waking up really early, like when it's beyond my control. Like I don't want to be up at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. Um, I just wake up and what I didn't realize at the time, but I realized subsequently, and I'll tell you how that happened, um, was that when you wake up like that, you're still in a dream state. And when you wake up suddenly, your body is being shot full of cortisol and other stress hormones. And you, you're like wide awake. Um, and that's why it's so hard to fall back asleep. So I discovered this 
kind of in a sneaky way my um family doctor who um noticed this uh, insomnia in me sent me to an insomnia group therapy sort of uh, yeah insomnia group therapy session it was like six sessions and she's like yeah, go to this it's a little bit of like free cognitive behavioral therapy <laughs> it's like free psychology um because it's covered under our medical plan um and uh yeah it was um it was really interesting i discovered in there that my insomnia is actually linked to anxiety and stress and when i wake up suddenly in the morning my mind is usually racing and i'm thinking about things that i need to do or um, things that I did the previous day. And that's another reason why it's so hard to fall back asleep. It's this racing mind thing. So it wasn't until I went into this group therapy setting and then seeing that people's insomnias are for different reasons. A lot of it is anxiety and stress, but we have different reasons. So my reason is a chronic illness and a, a chronic pain condition. Um, but other people in the, in the group therapy setting had various other reasons for being there. Okay, so when when you say chronic pain, what do you mean? Um, well, I've had like, t I'm trying to get away from saying my concussion number, like how many concussions I've had. But oh, you don't um, have to. No, 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 it's okay. It's just sort of like when I say my number, it sort of it, it's just yeah, it's hard to quantify. But uh, um, yeah, basically, yeah. I've had more concussions probably than you've ever met in another person. Like I, I'm the person who's had the most concussions. So um, my chronic pain it's not really pain it's chronic like post-concussion symptoms or syndrome um, and pain is one of the elements of it so occasionally I'll wake up in just intense like neuropathic pain like all the nerves in my body are just like fried and screaming and it like ah, it feels like you got like electrical impulses all over your body right so super uncomfortable and it's a little bit painful um, but at other times um, you know it'll be like 10 in the morning maybe 11 in the morning, and I'm out of energy. So, like, I'll take, like, a five-hour nap in the middle of the afternoon. Um, and I can do that every single day because I'm just fatigued all the time, regardless of how much sleep I get. And then the sleep I do get, like, over the night is not the most restful sleep in the world. So it's, um, like most people with chronic illnesses or chronic pain conditions, it's this... Um, ongoingness it, it just never stops it's every single day all night and um, it can disrupt things like sleep for sure yes um all right so when you were like diagnosed we'll say by your doctor you said your doctor kind of saw something was up and he referred you and stuff how did you find the whole process from finding out like that you had insomnia to where you are today in terms of like healthcare and the whole like healthcare system in Canada? Uh, well, it completely changed my <laughs> kind of approach. Um, so I went to see the, the, um, to the sleep clinic to get the electrodes on the head and the, the doctor, and we could talk about sleep apnea after, but he's like, you got it. You might have a slight case of sleep apnea. I was like, I don't think I do. <laughs> it's okay. My doctor warned me that like every sleep professional will say you have sleep apnea, but um, I have none of the hallmarks for it. And um, all I have to do is sleep on my side, essentially. But we could talk more about sleep apnea in a sec. Um, so yeah, my doctor, uh, she noticed like the anxiety in me. And I would just say like, yeah, I'm waking up at like 3am. I don't know what's going on. I can't fall back to sleep. And it's brutal. Um, so she just sent me over to it. Um, what I found when I went into the group therapy setting is um, 
like I have like stress and anxiety issues. Um, so it was good to just identify it so that I can talk it out with my wife and, and just be aware of it and adjust my behavior patterns and stuff. And that's an ongoing process. But, um, what I'm sort of half discovered there, the, the doctor who was um, facilitating the workshop, um, also works with people with PTSD and considering how many concussions I've had they're from accidents and assaults and falls and like they're all traumatic sort of experiences um, I, I discovered that I probably have some sort of PTSD and that was the most constructive thing to realize because again just like insomnia I was under the assumption that PTSD is just like the classic Vietnam vet kind of syndrome where you have like flashbacks and stuff like that um, what I didn't realize is that a lot of my anxiety and stress is related to the traumatic experiences I've had in the past and then my worries about the future. So, yeah. And then it's manifesting in sleep, basically. That's the idea. It just manifests in sleep, but it also manifests in my everyday interactions with people as well. So that was the most constructive thing that I discovered. One thing that I found, right, with my sleep apnea, when I was first diagnosed with it, I just thought, oh, okay, you know, so I have to use this machine, maybe. Uh, I had a very bright outlook on what my future will be. But one of the hardest things where it hit me was actually my relationship with my wife because I have this machine that I've got in the room and it's not quiet. I can't, like, sleep, like, right behind her and cuddle up to her because I've got this mask on my face and, you know there's a lot of issues regarding that you know marriage is a massive thing in my life obviously because I think I have a decent marriage and I love my wife what issues did you find with your family not even just your wife but if if you want to talk about issues that you had there that's fine but your your child your wife any other family like trying to explain to them and they don't understand what issues did you have in the family department so um, my wife, uh, she understands my condition the best because she lives with me 24-7 um, and she sees it. And um, But even then, there's struggles around communication. Now, what I've realized lately is that my brain injuries have compromised my ability to communicate and it also, I can fall into like an anxiety-ridden state really quickly and that will just mess up your ability to communicate. So um, we've had to find ways to accommodate that in our marriage um, and that's just an ongoing process and I love my wife to bits as well and uh, she loves me and that's why we work on these things you know, it, was, it was great it was absolutely fantastic speaking with Matt but you know there are problems closer to home okay and sleep problems affect the people closest to you the most okay especially even in a physical way now it affects my wife Shumika tremendously. She has had to deal with my snoring, which is a sign of obstructive sleep apnea, and she's dealt with it for years. It was a long time before I even first went to the doctor to find out if there was a problem. And I can be quite a stubborn person as well, and she has had to deal with that too. Um, to be honest, I don't have any idea what it was because, mm. you you know, it was like a, a couple, maybe a couple years into the relationship. Yeah. When you are referring, but it's like there was no, to me, 
I hadn't noticed any change, okay. any reason, any significant reason why one one uh, month you were you were not snoring and then the next you were. I couldn't yeah. see anything significant that could have changed. Okay. The, um, to change change the way you were snoring or yeah. not snoring. So I don't have any idea what it could have been. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Because <laughs> and, and or, or, Obviously, before I was with you, I don't know what your lifestyle was and what your sleeping pattern was. But when you were with, when we were living together, you know, I don't see any change, mm. you know, that will make me realise, oh, this is why or that is why. I don't have any idea. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Unless you really liked me, so, unless it was the fact that you really liked me so much that you were, like, hiding your snoring from me. <laughs> I don't know how you could do that, but Yeah. <laughs> All right, babe. So was there like a breaking point of when it basically got too much and you couldn't handle it? I don't remember because it's been like that for such a long time. I don't remember. But I do remember um, times when I just had had enough. Like sometimes I would be sleeping and you would wake me up out of my sleep. Like like literally I would be frightened because all of a sudden I had a <sighs> like, it like it was you know and it you know what it's just uh, it was just it's a lot to have to deal with because you're a dead sleeper but I'm not so any little thing will wake me up and when you when I when I wake up when I'm woken up by your snoring and I can't get back to sleep but you go straight back to sleep but when you go straight back to sleep you're snoring so then how am I supposed to go back to sleep and, you know, sometimes I'll try and elbow you to get you to stop snoring. Sometimes you wouldn't even feel it. So it was just, like, too much. Sometimes, it, but I don't know, I don't know, um, oh, I, d I don't remember a time that I was actually, okay, this is the time when this has gone over the line. No, I just remember it always being like that. And it's, an, it's, it's quite an unbearable thing. I would rather not sleep with you because of that snoring I mean I don't mind if we start off in bed you know doing you know what we would usually do and then you can get out of the room because it's that bad because I cannot sleep through it but you can and you know sometimes it's frustrating waking up in the middle of the night like trying to wake you up to stop snoring but then you go back to sleep and start snoring and I'm just left there you know it's really it was really bad all right, babe. So what about when, you know, I am snoring and I would stop breathing and like we know now I would stop breathing for like nearly a minute. But do you remember like how you felt when I would just stop breathing? What was going through your head? Yeah, but I remember telling you that you um, you'll be you'll be sleeping, snoring and then you'll stop. Snor you stop breathing for a few seconds. And then all of a sudden, catch yourself like, but when you catching yourself, it's like a, a dramatic, <sighs> you know. And it's and I remember telling you that, and I was like, and I don't remember what the conversation we had was, but I was like, no, nah, it's just I don't understand where this has come from all of a sudden. All right, babe. So yeah, um, I mean, we both know what I'm like when it comes to the doctors, yeah, or what I was like before. And I've got a very laid back attitude and, you know, I don't even remember how I, you know, first went and approached a doctor, but 
you know what I'm like in it, like very laid back. Like how, what were you thinking when I was so laid back? Um, I don't remember, but I know that you, you didn't just go straight to the doctor. I know. I think it took um, a while. You you wasn't like I'm not going to a doctor, or you you were very blasé about it. That's the right word. You were blasé. You like yeah yeah, but you never did anything about it until it got to the point where like I was like no, this is ridiculous now. He's like you know what I'm gonna go, but I feel like that's what you do. You don't you don't say no because I feel like you're a stubborn person. It doesn't seem like it, but you are. You can be. No, you're not in general, but you can be. So if you don't want to do something, you won't say no. You'll be like, you'll just be like, oh yeah, oh. but then you won't do it. So to me, that's that's that. Yeah, to me, that's like when you're saying yeah, you know that you're not gonna do it. So it's like when I'm saying yeah, I'm not gonna do it now. I'm gonna do it like later whenever I feel like it. No, you just won't do. No, in your head, you're not going to do it. You're just saying yes so that the conversation can be over. <laughs> really? Yep. Oh, that's bad, man. I like the way you think that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. All right, so what's really important, right, is I've already said that sleep conditions affect the people nearest to you, but did you hear where she said that she actually wouldn't mind having separate rooms. Now, I'm not trying to hear that, okay? That's not the kind of thing that I'm trying to hear. Um, Who wants to hear that? Who out there wants their partner to say, look, you know, I think we should sleep in separate rooms. No one, no one wants that. Um, I actually also spoke to Scooter, okay? And he's from the Sleep With Me podcast. And... It's a great podcast that a lot of people use to help them fall asleep. And he's helping so many people out there. You know, it's kind of something that Shamika would actually probably really love um, while I'm using the machine. Uh, So basically, me and Scooter, we had a great chat about how he's helping people out there. And basically why he does what he does. Yeah, so the things that led me up to making the podcast... It's very similar, like our, our, it came out of interest, like not that different than your interests. Like uh, I started listening to podcasts and I couldn't believe that there was podcasts about everything. Like you're saying, like a podcast about Rocky, there's probably like, and now there's probably podcasts just about Creed and then there's probably Creed versus Rocky. And uh, so there's like podcasts about everything and because it's not radio, it can be much more dialed in and much more free because there's no pressure uh, to, to conform to the rules of radio or to the to broader audience. And, and it, you get really exposed to people's individual personalities and their own viewpoints. And you, it's just like you get to know them, just like they're your friends, and, and you get really invested. And I loved that uh, aspect of podcasting. And I was like, man, this is so open. And I was like, why isn't there any podcasts to help adults sleep that are kind of silly and fun? Like there's there's a lot of like uh, more straightforward stuff to sleep or nature sounds. And I was like, oh, like uh, 
maybe I could make something. And at first I was like, no, don't make, you don't know how to make a podcast. Don't do it. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, well, I don't know about this idea. I keep thinking about it. And then I was like, no, like it's too embarrassing or, you know, no one's going to listen. And I'd say, never mind, never mind. So I kept putting it off and putting it off. And, uh, uh at some point, like I had had other things I was working on in my spare time and they didn't work out. Like I was writing some stuff with some other people at night and it didn't work out. And part of me was like, why don't we try to make that podcast? And I, I just happened to have my guard down or whatever. And I was like, yeah, why not? Like, let's see what happens. Like, uh, are there adults looking for goofy, silly bedtime stories or not? Like, uh, it's like <laughs> kind of like bedtime stories for a kid, but a little bit longer and more meandering. And another yeah. reason I make the show is because I have trouble sleeping. And when I was a kid, I had trouble sleeping. So it's always been this ongoing issue. Kind of like we've talked about, it's like, when you can't sleep, it really impacts the quality of your life. And then it becomes a cyclical thing because you're worried about not being able to sleep. And so that makes it harder to fall asleep and all this pressure builds up and it's just really unpleasant. And uh, so I get to make a podcast that helps people that are struggling with something I can relate to too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I knew there'll be something. I knew that something led to you doing this. Um, so you you said that you find it hard to get to sleep as well. Um, what kind of things did you do trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to get to sleep? Maybe if I have this routine or maybe if I take this medication or I'm sure you tried loads of things before things started working. Can you tell me about that, you know, that time of your life? Yeah. So when I was a kid, at first I couldn't sleep and I didn't know what to do. I was having trouble at school and I had a lot of anxiety around going to school the next day because I knew I was going to have problems. Uh, and so I just worry all night. I'd worry about the next day. And I told my parents and, you know, I was the oldest of six kids and my parents kind of tried to help. But they were like, well, just try to think of something nice. Don't think about school. And I was like, well, I can't I can't not think about school. It's all, all I could think about. And, yeah. and, and so. Eventually, what happened was I started listening to comedy radio, like I'd sneak a radio in my bed and I'd listen to these comedians and and, and just funny shows uh, on the radio. And it never put me to sleep, but it made me feel less alone. It just comforted me in this way. And it distracted me from all the thoughts of, oh, why can't I go to sleep? Something bad's going to happen at school tomorrow or what's wrong with me that I can't sleep or why can't I just stop my brain from thinking? It, it just relieved that pressure. So sometimes I'd fall asleep, but other times I just felt better. Uh, mm-hmm. And then as an adult, I, I, I still struggle with sleep. And, and unfortunately, or I, I would, uh, I abused alcohol to try to sleep. I had drank a lot and that mm. put me to sleep, but it didn't, um, it didn't really, it, 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 uh, it dealt more with the symptom than a really a solution. And yes. so I tried that for a long time and it stopped working eventually. And I stopped drinking. And then I was trying to figure out how to sleep w- without alcohol. And I did, I have a bedtime routine now. And I guess part of me has accepted that sometimes I just won't be able to sleep. Uh, but I do like try to have a structured routine and try to wind down and read or sit quietly or journal and, mm. and, and kind of make bedtime something I can look forward to. But then there's still sometimes like that's baffling. Like I just can't fall asleep, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> you can't what's, what's get, going on? Right, right, right. Get really irritated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I as far as that, what's what's really interesting? I think because I don't know. I think I kind of tire myself out in the day really well um, with the kids. 
with just stuff that I do up and down, you know, hair there and everywhere, doing loads of stuff. When it's time to go to bed, okay, I reckon that from laying down on my pillow, I'm sleeping within one minute. Nice. And yeah, it, it's quick. I, I never, even with the sleep apnea and thinking about it and having problems, with me, it's more while I'm sleeping. Obviously, sleep apnea, my body isn't actually, like sometimes my body will stop breathing for up to like one and a half minutes mm. and stuff. So the oxygen in my body gets low and really loud snoring and for a long time my wife obviously she's the one that deals with it we're going to bed we'll be hugging or whatever good night darling and then five minutes later she's waking me up wake up you're snoring it's really loud you know and for a long time i didn't know what to do i, I just said okay you know i tried so much stuff i tried to have a spoon of honey because I thought that would like lubricate my throat. Mm -hmm. I put things on your nose, put things in your mouth. You know, it's just rub eucalyptus on your throat. I tried so many things. And one of the things that was really disheartening was the way that society looks at sleep problems. Yeah, Like, you know, not not doctors because a specialist doctor sees it every day. But just your average person who doesn't really have issues with sleep, it's hard to show them that it's a real problem and it doesn't only affect you when you sleep, but the whole of the next day affects you. Did you encounter lots of problems trying to sort this stuff out, trying to explain it to friends or people just saying, what, what? So you can't sleep sometimes, that's the big deal. Yeah, yeah, I think the the heartache like I kind of heard in your story like is true or it's like this isolating feeling cuz people that have always slept good, they don't have any frame of reference for it and for some reason they're likely to dismiss it or to kind of mm. unintentionally maybe blame it on you and be like, "Well, why don't you, maybe you should use two spoons of honey. What are you you're drinking your honey wrong? <laughs> like, if you did you warm it to room temperature? Like, uh, what kind of eucalyptus? Oh, that's the worst brand of eucalyptus. That's why you can't yeah. sleep." And it's like, no, no, you don't get it. Like, uh, and and it can really feel, I don't know, lonely. I guess maybe where you're like, yeah. I don't understand why you get it. And, and I'm try. It's not like I'm not trying. And I hear that again and again. What what you're saying, like from people that listen to my podcast, that it's like that that it's like, like this shaming, like that you should be ashamed that you can't sleep, that that you're dysfunctional. When really, yeah. it's something that is best left in the hands of a doctor and an expert to be like. Oh, what are the concrete things we can do? Because the emotional part and the interpersonal part can just make it worse where you're like, well, maybe it is. Or or like the beginning of your story, like it sounded like, well, maybe I'm just stuck with the sleep apnea and the snoring yes. and there's nothing I yeah. can do about it. And, and that could be really scary, too. Yeah, definitely. You know, as far as my wife, she deals with it. She has to deal with it. So she would push me, you know, come on, we have to. We should go to the doctor. And I'm thinking, I just snore. Maybe there's, I'm, I should go to the gym and, you know, just work out some energy. Um, she's great. She got me to go to the doctor. I realised that it's a, a problem. 
it's the rest. It's the other six billion people. Not six billion, but, you know, it's like everyone else who yeah. you try and explain it to or I might fall asleep and I'll be snoring. People be like, why do you snore so much? You know, what's what's wrong with you? It's It's a real thing. And so hearing your podcast, it was so... I could just tell, I said it before, but I know that there's people out there that are like, man, thank you so much for for what you do. You know, you're helping me relax, help my mind drift away and get to sleep. So, you know, do you have techniques that you are using when you're recording the podcast to give people the best experience to get to sleep? I guess, like, not anything, like, science, like, I don't have any actual, like, techniques as far as, like, science or hypnotism or anything. It's just more, like, basic, like, storytelling and also the idea that I imagine that I'm there for someone, like, almost in person. And it's, like, so I try to stay calm and I try to talk very slowly and I try to constantly remind myself, like, because I have a, when I'm not doing the podcast, I have a pretty big internal critic and i'm constantly on my own case mm. of like oh that didn't go well or oh you're not doing a good job like so i have to kind of put that aside when i'm recording the podcast and remember like oh i'm here to help somebody fall asleep like this doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be calming and i kind mm. of have to be open and, and kind of follow the meanders like and, and stay curious like oh like like and always observant like oh like with your like oh i see these flowers on the wall and then i see these yeah. flowers on your shirt oh what, what does that make me think and then there's a globe up in the back corner like so it's like about like being present in the moment for the person you're trying to fall asleep that's kind of like the most important technique is just to stay calm stay in the moment and remember why i'm doing the show yeah man um i'm i'm sure that you get like people contacting you kind of saying thank you so much you've done this for me done that for me have you recently had any contact you know that really touched you that made you think like wow you know i didn't expect someone to say this about the show yeah i mean every time i hear from someone like there's a lot of people that are going through stuff that i haven't been through like whether it's like i'll hear from people soldiers dealing with ptsd and that's not something i've dealt with but like to hear their story and to hear that everybody kind of shares that desperation, like the fear and the desire, the desire to sleep and the fear you're not going to be able to. I can relate to th- those feelings, even though I don't know what it's like to have PTSD. And then I c- it really keeps me dedicated to the show that it's like, wow, like here's someone experiencing something terribly traumatic and painful and, and, and they're just trying to get through their day. Or I don't have sleep apnea, but hearing your story too, it's like, I can hear the frustration and how it impacts the rest of your life and that you want, you know, to be present there for your kids and you want to enjoy your own life and be present for your wife and not getting a good night's sleep is something that's going to affect all that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've actually found that, um, I've got like, uh, a solution so that when I'm sleeping, the snoring is gone but I've got to wear one of those face masks, mm-hmm. right? And it's not very romantic. It's, you know, all right, darling, good night, love you, give me a kiss. Strap on my face mask and you hear the air and, you know, it's like for now, it's it's good because 
my body gets the air that it needs and stuff but it's a whole lifestyle change that i'm gonna have to make Mm -hmm. um and when you start to figure out the things that you can use to help whatever sleep problem you have you know there can be like really weird and wonderful things that you know you have to do maybe you might realize that there's a certain kind of story that helps you to sleep better or you know with with me i I just know that it's like i have to it's it's more to do with my whole body it's more to do with uh uh, losing weight it's more to do with just being healthier eating healthier drinking more water which eventually i believe as well as using the mask would help me um but when when i've told people that i'm going to speak to you and i've said you know this podcast helps people to fall asleep it's a podcast with a lot of people after i explain what a podcast is <laughs> they're like oh so that's what people can use to fall asleep and it's like yeah you know it's a bit like radio but you download it and listen to it when you want to once i kind of explain what a podcast is and i explain how it works and you know you don't have to wait for it to come on you press play when you're ready to go to sleep blah 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 it's like you know what that's really that's that's almost perfect for that kind of a, if you've got a sleep problem, a podcast is actually a very good way to help. So how do you find that your podcast is like tailored to helping people in that way? Yeah, I guess like I try to like make sure it's like at least an hour long. That's like one of the things I've done. And that's been over the history of the show. When I started the show, episodes were a lot shorter and I was like, oh, how are people using this? Or if I was relying on this podcast to sleep, I was like, I'd want it to be an hour so I wouldn't have to worry about not falling asleep. It's like, oh, I have a whole hour to fall asleep. That's plenty of time. So I make sure the episodes are long. Um, I make sure that it's – and this can be irritating to people that are used to listening to a regular podcast, but it takes forever for me to get to a point. Like I start off explaining the show in an introduction and that takes me about 12 minutes to explain what the podcast is where mm. normally be like, Hey, this is a podcast fears and desires. We're going to talk about fears and desires. And here's my mm. guest. Like, like <laughs> I'll be like talking like that for like 12 minutes. So it's kind of like this. It, it, it helps people to start to wind down and, and realize that, okay, this podcast isn't very serious. It's going to be indirect. And then I have like a long bedtime story or it might be a tv recap of like doctor who was so that we're doing mm. right now it, but even that's like barely resembles the show it's it's, it's like uh <laughs> if you watch the episode you're like what episode is he talking about because it's not like anything that's going on on the tv uh yeah so it's just just uh so so that's just familiar enough that it feels comforting but mm. but but it's like uh distracting but also not over-engaging. I mean, the problem with good podcasts is you might get interested and you're like, wait a second, I got to stay up and hear how this ends, where my listeners have permission to fall asleep whenever they want. All right, so after doing the overnight sleep studies and getting my machine set up, I'm thinking, all right, this is fantastic. I can use this device for a while it will help with this condition and life will be back to normal but i was so wrong you see this machine basically it helps 
to provide my throat with constant air so it doesn't close up deny my body of oxygen and kind of after like a minute or so force me to wake up in quite a loud and violent way but it only works while I'm actually using it it doesn't cure my sleep apnea okay so there's a lot of problems with using this machine and the vast majority of them don't even affect me they affect Shamika well when you first came back with it I thought okay this is good but the first night that you had it on I thought I didn't know it was going to make noise so number one it makes noise number two it it blows out air and number three it's an obstruction it's a complete obstruction so it's like to me it was like okay so He's not going to snore, so it's okay. But at the end of the day, when, as soon as we get in the bed, you don't have to put it on. But when we're getting ready to go to sleep, that's when you put it on. But then at the same time, if you put it on, you cannot face me in sleep. Otherwise, all the breeze is going to be going in my face. So we can't face each other and hug. You can't really face behind me. Like, we can't spoon because that thing's going to be blowing air into my neck and it makes noise. So it, it's a, it's a, it is a massive obstruction. So. And the thing about, um, obviously, when we first go to bed, we don't want you to have that on straight away. But the thing about the way you sleep is if you if you don't put it on straight away and we go to we sit like, you know, we spend time together in the night and you you end up you will end up falling asleep. And if you end up falling asleep, then you're going to start snoring you up and all of that stuff. So I thought that this um, machine would be. A way to fix the issue but it's not of it doesn't fix the issue at all it's just something that helps a little bit and it doesn't even stop you snoring even it just um it it minimizes it you know so it, to me it's like it's like it's not a cure to sleep apnea it's it's just an aid to help you have and your wife have better sleep or I don't know I don't know what it is but that machine is to me I don't really I feel like you have to go a different route other than that machine because that machine doesn't prevent or cure anything so it doesn't prevent you from snoring and it doesn't cure your snoring it just aids you so that you don't snore as much or as loud or or whatever it does So I guess there's those problems that we have to deal with, but you know, we're working through them and Shumika is an extremely patient lady. I need to get fitter, I need to lose some excess weight and you know, I've got more things to talk about with my sleep specialists because I really do want to conquer this condition. Now, another issue that I've found with having a sleeping condition is the way people react when you tell them you have one. It can even sometimes make you feel like there's something wrong with you. You know, almost like maybe you bought it on yourself. And a lot of the time, that's not the case. Now, it can really play on your mindset. 
And I'm sure that a lot of sufferers can relate. And, you know, while speaking to Matt, he kind of brought me through some of the experiences that he's had. It's interesting. I just got back from um, my home province, British Columbia, uh, visited friends and family. And um, it was interesting. A couple of my buddies and certain people in my family um, were surprised at how bad I've gotten, especially in the last couple of years. Um, I've, okay. I've had like maybe like seven concussions in like two years, um, de- depending on how you d- define them. Um, and finding ways to communicate my struggles beyond just sleep. Like people are like, why are you up so early? I'm like, well, I'm brain injured. And they're like, what? I'm like, oh, or another friend <laughs> asked me, um, do you get concussions every day or concussions? Sorry. Do you get headaches every day? And I'm like, well, the one of the things and i don't even really call them headaches they're like different than oh i have to explain like to people who are not with me every day the daily struggles because with what i got it's it's an invisible illness right um at times in the past i've walked with a cane and it was very interesting to see people's interactions with me change when i have my cane around um there's a reason why i always wear a, a um baseball hat you know, so is to block the sun, things like this. So there's little, little hints that I have something, but unless I mm. tell you, you wouldn't know. And even people who listen to our shows, um, they can't hear it in my voice very much. You might hear a little bit of a draggy speech or a little bit of a, like what I just said there, like, oh, I have no short-term memory. I have no idea what we're talking about. Um, it's, uh, it's just one of those things that you have to constantly remind people and then when you remind other people you're reminding yourself at how bad how badly you're messed up because a lot of what i try to do one of my primary coping strategies is trying to disassociate myself from my symptoms like trying not to be aware of them yeah it's why i like to play golf so much is because it's a distraction from how i feel but the double-edged sword is like after say a round of golf i'm just destroyed like it feels great when i play like just emotionally but afterwards i'm just physically destroyed so everything Mm -hmm in my life is this process of balancing it out scheduling measuring out my energy levels and my wife is fantastic for helping me in that process because i really am at the point now where i actually need help uh to do these sort of basic things and a lot of accommodation comes from my wife yeah Alright guys, so you've heard throughout the episode there's all these issues that are related to sleep problems and in the process of you know recording and editing this episode I had the fantastic opportunity to speak to Dr. David McIntosh. He's an ears, nose and throat surgeon from Australia and he's the author of a book called Snored to Death. Alright, he's got a massive knowledge on sleep apnea. And we had a chat quite recently. Uh, He spoke without using all the jargon. He's a great guy to speak with. And we basically started off by him explaining what he does and the issues that he sees as a specialist. So my name's David McIntosh. I'm an ear, nose and throat surgeon. I'm based in Australia, in the state of Queensland. My area of interest and expertise is in managing breathing problems, and that relates to problems with breathing through the nose, breathing through the mouth, or lower down through the throat. And I manage that in children and adults alike. And as part of um, that being my interest, I also run a lot of education services, 
uh, for predominantly healthcare professionals uh, that don't know much about the topic and introducing them to the topic, but also at the other end for those that are very well versed with the topic, just taking them that extra step so they can understand uh, what's involved. So most of my day-to-day -day stuff really is, is dealing with people that have breathing problems. Okay, yeah, so air, nose and throat, you know, I I remember seeing that department in the hospital and I remember thinking, you know, air, nose and throat, you know, why, why is there a, a department for that? But obviously, this is from before I had sleep apnea and that's kind of, you can go through life easy that way if you don't have a problem in any particular area. You don't know much about it, and then this problem comes along, and you're seeing it everywhere. Everywhere I turn, I'm hearing about sleep apnea, you know? Yeah. Things are happening, people are talking to me, and I've got something to say. It's really interesting. How's it been for you, you know, educating people, even people that are in healthcare, yeah. on, you know, sleep apnea, the issues? It's quite prevalent in society, well, but are they taking to it? some terminology too because if you get the terminology right that helps the conversation so in adults we yeah. talk about adults basically either being uh, snorers or having sleep apnea and generally speaking we think that if you've got sleep apnea that ties in with health problems whereas if it's just snoring without the sleep apnea then that's potentially more of a social problem uh, and that's certainly been yeah. the, the approach for many years but there's some new research coming out showing even uh, adults that simply snore uh, actually have certain disease states that they're more at risk of developing, such as thickening of the blood vessels that go to the neck, um, taking blood to the brain. So potentially being at risk of stroke uh, just from snoring. Now, in children, mm -hmm. we'd worked this out uh, well before because uh, we'd realised that we had the children with the uh, the sleep apnea, so the troubles where uh, they're snoring, but you know the parents were seeing that they were stopping breathing at night and these children were waking up tired and not functioning properly. And we knew, oh, look, these kids are blocked. We unblock them, they got better. But then there was a whole group of kids that were struggling to breathe but not quite stopping or snoring or even just mouth breathing. And these children were waking up tired and not functioning properly during the day. And we started fixing them and then getting them unblocked and getting them breathing better. And they did a lot better uh, with their school performance and their behaviour and so forth. So we're starting to realise that we've got the conversation slightly wrong in that anyone that's got a breathing problem, if there's symptoms with it, we need to help them with their breathing problem. And it's been very interesting, uh, obviously, educating the general public, but even just healthcare professionals uh, and getting them to, to know and understand about this condition and to get them to be proactive in asking their patients about it. Uh, if, you, if you look at the simple mathematics of sleep, um, throughout our whole lifetime, sleep is something that we spend about a third of our lives doing but it would have to be probably the most neglected part of healthcare when it comes to seeing the doctors and them asking you, how was your sleep? So that's, yeah. that's where the conversation needs to change a lot because if we look at common things that, that family doctors see, uh, diabetes, high blood pressure, um, these are all linked in with sleep apnea. So we, we need to get people you know, thinking and talking about sleep and making it important. You know, we, We've realised that with uh, TVs and smartphones and so forth, that screen time is a problem. You know, we're staying up later at night with our eyes glued to these screens, not getting enough sleep. So, you know, everyone's worrying about screen time. Well, that's the sleep quantity. We need to look at the sleep quality mm. as well. And quite simply, if you're not breathing properly, you're not sleeping well.
if you're waking up tired, you've definitely got a problem with your sleep quality. I mean, th- that is so true because I, for a lot of my adult life, I was getting bad quality sleep. So on my, I was being on my phone um, a lot and then going straight to bed, no kind of chill out time for my brain, yeah. um, which was causing problems before I started snoring. Yep. And you know a whole host of other things. It's 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 really funny how you know I kind of left sleep until the very last thing. So I wouldn't prioritize sleep. I wouldn't say you know let me make sure I get a good night's sleep tonight. It will be like let me do all this stuff in a day that I have to do, and I'll sleep whenever I get time, even if it means four hours. And yeah. for a long time before I went to the doctor. Even when I was snoring, like really bad snoring, stop stopping breathing in the night, you know, it, it's funny because I would just go through all these sleep problems and then the next day, the quality of the day was never good because I'm, I'll get home from work and I'll just fall asleep. And my wife would be like, what are you doing? You've, I know you've just got back from work, but... You shouldn't be that tired, you know, maybe it's because you're not sleeping properly and it causes a lot of relationship issues and social issues because if you're not doing well at work, you're not happy, you're never happy, you're grumpy, you're forgetting everything. So what kind of social and relationship issues are you noticing as an ENT surgeon when you're talking to people and stuff? Sure. Well, you've you've covered that quite nicely, really. So you can think about it on a simple level. So for people that are snoring, whoever's sleeping next to them, um, that person has to listen to that noise. And we know that noise of any sort is disruptive to sleep. So whether it's snoring or whether it's traffic, you know, driving by, uh, any not nighttime noise that, you know, when you're asleep is disruptive to your sleep. So that will affect your bed partner's sleep simply because of the noise that you're making. Now, some people, when they've got the sleep apnea, They'll be uh, quite restless at night and they'll toss and turn and move around the bed a lot. Um, That has an impact on the bed partner too. Then you wake up in the morning and one, if not both of you, have not had the greatest nights of sleep. So you're waking up at least one of you, if not both of you, tired. And we all know what we like when we get tired. We then got to the nitty gritty of just how important healthy sleep is. The, The... there's, yeah. there's a reason that sleep deprivation is a form of torture. And, and just think about this for a moment. You can, you can quite literally go through two or three days without eating or drinking. You know, people have been in you know, situations, you know, that they've been stranded and had nothing to eat, nothing to drink two or three days, and they survive. Try and survive two or three days without sleeping at all. It's, it's just not possible. And, yeah, it's and, and and so, you know, you, you mentioned it before, and I'll come back to it in a sec, um, about, um, you know, bedtime and, and so forth. But just to answer the current question, if, if we take it the next step forwards, we talk about mental health, because mental health is a big thing. If you look at the big uh, mental health diagnoses, so we talk about things like anxiety, depression, uh, something called bipolar, uh, something called schizophrenia. All four of those are significant mental health diagnoses, and every single one of them uh, is more prevalent uh, and more obvious if people have sleep apnea. So, 
Yeah. So, so it, it affects more than just you know waking up a little bit tired and a little bit cranky and a little bit grumpy. It can push you over the edge into mental health problems. And if you think about, again, how we sort of structure our days, and, and I'm not pretending that I'm any different, but generally speaking, most people know tomorrow what time they're going to wake up because they have mm-hmm. to. They have to get up because they have to go somewhere. They have to do something. But people do not know what time they're going to go to bed tomorrow because it's like you said it's not planned it's sort of that thing yeah. that you get around to doing once you've done everything else so when they talk about sleep hygiene and resetting your body clock um, this is what I tell patients uh, to be honest if you want to go and, and resettle everything you need to go camping for two weeks go out into the wilderness with a tent no uh, screens, no artificial light. Um, you can light yourself a fire. As soon as it gets dark, that's the signal to our brain to go to sleep. With the artificial lighting, that signal is not there. It's deferred, which means that we are staying up later and longer than we ever used to. And our bodies are not conditioned for this. And, and it's showing. Yeah, I mean... You you mentioned some things, right? You mentioned just then anxiety, depression, you know, all these mental health issues, right? And yeah. after going to my GP and she said to me, you know, uh, I want you to record your sleep. So when you go to bed, press record and, you know, come back to me next week and let's listen to your sleep. So I did that. I played it to her. She said, OK, there's a real issue here. And then so it still didn't click, right? Even when I went to the, you know, the, the sleep department of uh, mm-hmm. my hospital yeah. and we'd done everything and I'm having a meeting and then it clicked when the, the specialist said to me, they said, look, sleep apnea that goes untreated, it's it leads to anxiety, depression, all this stuff. And that's when it clicked, uh-huh. You know, that was the wake-up call because it was yeah. like, I don't want my my quality of life to deteriorate to that point. Yeah. And that's what clicked me right into gear. But yeah. it's a shame that I had to get to that. You know, I think it's just the way I grew up and all the stuff that I think so important I have to do in the day. But that was a massive wake-up call. Absolutely yeah. massive. Now, <clears throat> um, you know... I mentioned to you before we started recording that I have a CPAP machine, okay? Yeah. And, you know, we we kind of started talking about the fact that it's a treatment and it's not a cure. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So, uh, look, C- CPAP is an excellent uh, management tool for sleep apnea. And, and the way that CPAP works, uh, for those that may not be familiar... Uh, the CPAP is a machine. Uh, it's basically a pump, and, and you wear a mask at night, and it pumps air in through your nose or in through your mouth. And that air, uh, the analogy that I use is like basically turning you into a balloon. So when you blow up a balloon, as soon as you let go, the balloon collapses down. And that's what's happening in people with sleep apnea. Their throat is collapsing down on them. And you have the CPAP, which just continues to provide a certain level of air going into the nose into the throat just to keep that throat open so that when you breathe it's already open 
uh, you don't have to mm. work hard. And anyone that's had you know fresh balloons, especially those little sausage balloons where you've got to blow real, real hard just to get them going, well, that's the same with sleep apnea. Yeah. When it collapses on itself, you've actually got to breathe real, real hard just to open it. So then you can actually get the air to go through it. So the machine keeps things open. So it's an excellent way of doing that. But a lot of people that have it don't like it or they have problems with it. And I think it's important that whilst it's a you know an important part of the, the management of sleep apnea, you want to start and look at the causes. You, you want to go to the why. So the analogy that I use, if you come and see me as a dog and say, look, David, I'm really tired and we do a blood test and we find that you're anemic. Now, if you're, mm. if you're really, really anemic, then we're gonna give you a blood transfusion. Just as an emergency, you've gotta get you out of trouble now. Um, but regardless of how bad your anemia is, we wanna find the cause. Because it's only by knowing the cause that we can actually then work out if there's something else that we need to sort out. And that's where um, you know we need ear, nose and throat doctors, we need dentists, we need um, other specialists involved to, to make a thorough assessment of things. So the ear, nose, and throat yeah. doctor can have a look and find out, oh, actually, you, your nose is blocked. We, sh we should go and get that unblocked. Or at the back of your throat, your tonsils are really good. Maybe should, we should look at getting those out. Or the dentist might have a look and go, oh, there's a problem with your jaw. Uh, we can give you a mouth guard to, to hold the jaw forwards to hold the throat open. Um, so that, you know, there's a whole range of, of, of uh, options there. And, and one thing that we need to be very mindful of is, to be honest, is people that are overweight. We know that as soon as people yep. put on the weight, uh, that increases the chances that they're going to get blockages. And there's a couple of reasons why that happens. One reason is that the fat, uh, when you put extra weight on it, it, it's fat. I don't think we should be you know, shy about being honest about it. Um, yeah, and, yeah, of course. And in terms of where it is, it ends up throughout your whole body. It's not just your tummy. Um, but it also you know, goes in and around the neck, even goes into the tongue. So you actually end up with this extra layer of, of, of around your throat and uh, within the throat as well that blocks things up. The second thing is, it, yes, it does go around your tummy. When we breathe, uh, we take a breath in, there's a muscle that separates the chest and the tummy called the diaphragm. And when we breathe, that diaphragm has to move down. Now, that diaphragm to move down, it has to push the stomach out the way. And if you've got a lot of fat around there, then that diaphragm has to work harder. And as a result, it tends not to be as effective. So the breaths that you take are less than what they should be. So you have another yeah. breathing problem on top of that. All right. Now, when it comes to weight, it's a sensitive subject in society, yeah? But one thing about doctors is they do want to see us be healthy, so they do mention it. And Dr. David was, you know, was very careful with how he said it. But in my case, I definitely know that I have to lose some more weight. You know, um, having an extra weight means I've got more fat around my neck and stuff, which makes it harder to breathe when I'm sleeping. That's just the truth of the matter. And I have put on weight, uh, basically, since I got married. It's all that great food my wife cooks. Um, I have to get myself into a healthier uh, body mass index range, you know, because then I can see if that's part of the issue. So we spoke some more, meaning Dr. David, and he mentioned, you know, the procedure that he goes through. 
as a surgeon and uh, I learned a lot. So, so you know, I'm going to talk about basic medical principles first. So when we, when okay. we assess a patient, we, we take a history, we perform an examination, then we do an investigation, and then we have a treatment plan. Now with sleep apnea, what often happens is that you have a history, there's mm -hmm. no examination, okay? there's nobody that looks inside your nose, looks inside your throat, looks at your voice box. What happens is you go straight to the investigation. Mm. So you have a history followed by an investigation, followed by a treatment plan without an examination. And that's where ENTs come into it. So ear, nose and throats will perform an examination and we will have a look inside the nose. We have special telescopes that yes. allow us to do this. And we'll have a look through the nose and we'll have a look from the front to the very back of your nose. So we look at everything from front to back. And then once we're at the back, we'll go down into the lower part of your throat. We'll go all the way to your voice box. Because if you think about breathing, mm. okay, it's all of, and, and sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is disease of the upper airway. It's a It's a disease of the the nose and the throat above the voice box because that's where things are getting blocked and that's where things are collapsing. Yeah. So the ENT will do the examination of that very space, and we'll have a look, obviously, inside the mouth as well. And the sorts of things that we're looking for inside the nose, for example, is we're looking to see whether the middle part of the nose is straight or crooked. Um, a crooked partition in the nose is called a deviated septum. We're looking for allergy swelling within the nasal passages that might be blocking the nose. Behind the nose, we're looking for things called adenoids that might be big. Inside the mouth, we're looking at the tongue. Has that tongue swollen up? Because, like I said, the tongue can swell up. Has the tongue swollen yeah. up? Are the tonsils big? As we look down the lower part of the throat, is there any swelling on the back of the tongue? Is there anything else going on that we can see? And one of the important things, and every ENT surgeon that I know of uh, that's been doing this long enough has at least one case, uh, and sometimes people have got several, where the person um, with the snoring and the sleep apnea has actually got a tumor growing somewhere in, in and around their throat and that's wow. the actual cause of the blockage. That is amazing. And it's it's funny, like I, I never had that examination. I've never had that. No. I mean no. you know, and it you know, how am I to know? I'm there, I'm I'm not saying anyone's done anything wrong, but I don't know anything. I'm just going along because I'm Absolutely. putting my faith Absolutely. In, you know, what's happening. Yeah. And it, they've done great. There's, I don't have anything bad to say. No. But, you know, this is what I'm definitely going to look into because I've got my next appointment in like one less than a week. And sure. I'm going to talk to them about this and see. So yeah. it's great to um, be able yeah. to chat with you. Um, and and well, right, some of the so, feedback that some people get is, is that, oh, um, you know, the, the operations don't work. Well, I think we've got to be careful in terms of what they mean because. It depends on what operation they're talking about. There are some operations in the past that were tried that certainly don't work compared to modern style mm -hmm. surgery. Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily about curing the sleep apnea because the CPAP doesn't cure the sleep apnea either. For some people, yes. the reason that they're having trouble with their CPAP is because, for example, their nose is so blocked that the pressure on the CPAP is turned up so high just to get past that blockage. Again, it's like blowing up a balloon, but that that balloon has a piece of string tied around it to start with. Now, 
you know, if you blow super duper hard, you know, whatever little gap you've got, you'll get some air through that blockage. Um, the easier thing to do is just remove the string. Okay. And yeah. You might, and you might still have to blow up the balloon, but it's going to be a lot easier. So it's the same. It's the same yes. with CPAP. Sometimes people struggle with their CPAP because the pressures are so high. But there's situations where we can go and unblock the nose, not to cure the sleep apnea, but to make it easier for people to use their CPAP. Okay, so to anyone out there facing issues, definitely check out Dr. David McIntosh's book by going to Facebook. He's got great content in there. Do what I'm about to do and get his book to get that knowledge, okay? I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Make it nice and easy for you guys. All right, guys, so there you have it. Oh, wait a minute. Before I forget, do you remember at the beginning of the episode where I told you the story of Shamika? She keeps waking me up. She keeps elbowing me in the night. It's really annoying. I don't know why she's bothering me because she can't sleep. And in the end, I just went to the front room so I can have peace. Now, here is the full story from her point of view and you're going to get the full picture now you we were sleeping and you you forgot to put the mask on i think i don't know why you forgot to put the mask on maybe we were cuddling or whatever but i woke up out of my sleep and that's just the worst thing because i when i wake up i cannot get back to sleep it takes me ages you know some people just sleep at the drop of a hat I cannot, it takes me a while to get back to sleep. So I woke up and I'm pushing you, pushing you, saying, come on, um, you haven't got your mask on, put your mask on. And you, you're like, yeah, yeah. So I lay down and I turn around and you still haven't got the mask on. So I start elbowing, Esa, Esa. my elbowing isn't doing anything much to you. It's not like I'm trying, I'm not trying to like elbow you to hurt you. I'm trying to like get your attention, wake you up out of the sleep. Come on, Issa, put the mask on. And then you, and then you, said oh sorry babe sorry like and I'm really angry I'm like Issa I cannot sleep you're snoring so you said oh sorry babe I'm gonna put it on you start putting it on everything I realized that you put it on yeah it's all good I start laying down now then two twos I haven't fallen asleep but I'm facing the opposite way from you I'm just upset and just trying to get that sleep then two twos I hear some snoring again and it's like oh this guy and when I turn around and I look, I realise that you've put the mask on and everything, but you haven't switched the device on. So it's not doing anything. And it's, I'm just, I'm tired by now of waking you up constantly to tell you to put your thing on because you're not really listening because you're in a state of sleep. You, you, you don't really know the effect that it's having on me because you're in a state of sleep. You're in your own sleepy world while I'm out here living the reality of your snoring. And that is pretty much our life in general when it comes to sleeping so I, so I just was like Issa get out of the bed I need to go to sleep get out of bed get out of bed oh what babe what what that's what you're saying to me and I'm like get out I want to sleep I've had enough go and sleep in the front room and then he was like oh sorry babe, sorry and you're still sleeping you're still half asleep and then you go to the front room and you go to sleep and two twos a little while later what do I hear 
snoring, snoring coming from the front room because obviously you don't take the advice to the front room do, with you, do you? So you, I hear snoring, so I'll get up and close the front room door so that you can keep you and your snoring to yourself. And then I come back to bed and lay down. You know when you're like tense from like a you've just been in such a rough situation. I was all tense and everything, but I, at least I had a bit of peace. And you know, eventually I fell asleep, and that was it. That was that. But that that was that was an ordeal. That was that was an ordeal. That's like a, a lot, a lot. Especially when you have like young kids running around the house, you need to get sleep. And, you know, when I talk, when I try to communicate you when you're in that state of sleep, you don't have a clue. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, Issa, do you remember? You don't even know. You don't know how many times I elbowed you or pushed you. or You don't even know the half of what I have been through. It's like I've been through war. And you're just like, oh, yeah, the sun is shining, you know. All right, so, you know, the jig is up, yeah? Um, That's what really happened. And it just goes to show, I don't know if there's other people out there that deal with this kind of stuff, but sleeping is fantastic, especially when you're a parent of young kids, you're out there, you're working hard, trying to progress in your career, trying to progress in life, trying to spend time with your friends and family, but sleep is really really important okay so guys i want you to know that you know i'm not a doctor but if you are facing certain problems like what you've heard in this episode then just go to your gp your doctor or whoever just start doing some real research okay If any of the issues in this podcast are there to you, please contact this show directly at issa at fearsanddesires.com or on social media, contact the show by searching at fearsanddesires. All right, so I've had fantastic guests on this episode and this is the bit where I like to big them up. So thank you to Matt from the Nooks and Crannies podcast. You can find Nooks and Crannies the same way you found Fears and Desires. Just go ahead and type it into any search bar. We dare you. Thank you so much to Scooter from the Sleep With Me podcast. You can find me at sleepwithmepodcast.com or on social media at Dearest Scooter. Once you finish listening to Fears and Desires, check me out on Apple Podcasts or my website or wherever you find podcasts. Thank you to Dr. David McIntosh, ENT surgeon from Australia. You can find me on social media at Dr. David McIntosh and my book, Snore to Death. And thank you to my beautiful wife, Shamika. Love you, babe. You can contact me on Twitter at SheMeNaomi. They all helped tremendously in this episode. I couldn't have done it without them. And I hope you guys check them out. And, you know, let them know what you thought. All right, so next episode is going to be about intimacy and porn. And that back and forth you know that's going on in society now i've got some great guests including a former adult movie actress um some great people that have battled sex and porn addiction and once again my lovely wife shamika because i had to learn a lot 
about intimacy and the proper way to show it. And I grew up in a time where porn skyrocketed. You know, it was free, it was available. As long as you had the internet and you had a screen, it wasn't hard for you to see. And this is from the age of me just growing up, just early teenager, you know. And as time gone, as time has gone by, office, you know, it's exploded the porn industry, and it's even leaking into normal kind of things that we see when we're going out, advertising things that we're seeing on television. So it's going to be a really good episode, and you know, I was saying I had to learn a lot about intimacy, and porn doesn't help with that, you know. Or, or, or does it though? Does it? Does it help with that? Music on today's episode was provided by Chris Puncelan, and you can hear more of his great work over at chrispuncelan.com.